This is an ABC podcast. Hello, this is Coronacast, a daily podcast all about the coronavirus. I'm health reporter Tegan Taylor. And I'm physician and journalist Dr Norman Swan. It's Friday the 27th of November. And Norman, something weird's been happening in Adelaide. If you've been following the news really closely, the hotspot that's happening there, there's been, a, there's been an outbreak and there seems to be question marks around a particular pizza place. And it was thought a week or so ago that uh, someone had caught it there from really casual contact and there was this sort of concern about that. And then it turned out that the person who was in question had maybe lied a little bit about where they were or what their relationship was with that place and everyone breathed a sigh of relief. But now the pizza place is back in the spotlight because a high school girl is found to have caught it there as well. So can you catch coronavirus from pizza or not? Well, you know, the question here is, are surfaces in South Australia different from surfaces around the world? Because Surfaces are a really rare way to catch this SARS-CoV-2. SARS-1, there was evidence of contact infection, but it's really unusual with SARS-CoV-2. So I think, and it's also unusual on a on a surface like cardboard, which is the cardboard box. So you know, it's just hard to imagine. So if this student has caught it, it's much more likely statistically to be through the air in some shape or form, either close contact droplets or she was there long enough to catch it. The question is, was she sitting down and having a pizza? And restaurants are notorious for catching COVID-19, particularly with poor ventilation. That's going to be more likely, but we don't really understand or know the circumstances. Then the tantalizing question is, could you catch it from the pizza itself? Mm, So you mean like, could you eat it and then catch it from your digestive system? Yes, could you? Well, could you? (laughs) Well, the answer is conceivably, but here's the issue. Probably depends on what was on the pizza. You know, if it was one of those ghastly pizzas with tinned pineapple on it, um, (laughs) you know, I I think that's a pretty hostile environment. I've heard tinned pineapple accused of a lot of things, Norman, but I haven't heard it accused of being a vector for coronavirus yet. For those of you who like tinned pineapple on pizza, I think you're okay because pineapple is proteolytic. It actually breaks down protein. So I just don't think the COVID-19 virus would like pineapple. And for the first time in eight or nine months, I'm at one with the COVID-19 virus because I don't like pineapple on pizza either. Pineapple is for dessert, not for pizza. Well, thank you for disclosing that preference. <laughs> and um... If I were there were other things on the pizza, you know, conceivably, but I suspect that that student caught it through the air. Okay, but seriously though, wouldn't if the pizza was cooked, let's just in, in, indulge me for just one more moment on this, but if you were cooking the pizza, wouldn't the heat of the oven kill any coronavirus on it? Probably, but you know, then you're taking it out of the oven, you're slicing it, so the high heat comes beforehand and then it's cooling down fast. Anything can happen, but I think it's unlikely that this person caught it from a surface, either by swallowing it, which I think is a very unusual way to catch this virus, although it does infect the bowel, or from contact and then touching your face and getting it through the respiratory tract. I think this is going to have is going to be having been breathed in. Well, as we record Coronacast today, Victoria is on its 27th donut day in a row, and we're hoping to get to 28, which is the threshold for considering it to be elimination of local spread. But we are hearing that uh, coronavirus fragments have been detected in wastewater in the northern suburbs of Geelong. 
Yeah, and that's kind of in the same area, you know, down towards uh, you know Altona and then Altona beyond, down towards Geelong. It could be that it's somebody who's been shedding virus for a long time um, and is not positive anymore, but they're going to have to take it seriously and really get into that area and ask people to come forward for testing just to make sure they haven't missed anything. Because it's, it's still conceivable there's virus circulating in Victoria and you don't want to miss it. And the message continues to be, if you've got, te- uh, if you've got symptoms, get tested. Absolutely. You just do not want, there's not a single Victorian that wants another lockdown or to have a significant cluster. Just come forward, get tested. The worst that can happen to you is that it's a waste of your time. So putting aside the, the little blips here and there in Australia, we're really sitting pretty here and in comparison to the pandemic and the scale of it and the rest of the world. So Norman, what are the latest figures we have on the mortality rate of coronavirus? So there's been a study that's looked at three things. One is the death rate from COVID-19. Second was all-cause mortality, so in other words, any cause of death. And the final one was the excess mortality. In other words, how many excess deaths did you get in this past year? And what they found is that America has actually a very high death rate from COVID-19. So if you just take the numbers here, and it's per 100,000, Canada 24 per 100,000, Italy 60, Belgium 86.8 per 100,000, that was pretty high. And the United States had 60 per 100,000. So it was it was high mortality for COVID-19, not the highest, but certainly right up there. What's Australia's? Really low, 3.3 deaths per 100,000. Now, to be fair, we haven't had many cases compared to those other countries, and therefore that could be a statistical distortion. But we've done extremely well, and this is an 18-country comparison. As the curve passed a little bit earlier on in the year, between May and September, Countries like Italy, the death rate dropped to nine per 100,000, but America went, you know, stayed high. And the excess mortality in the United States was very high. It was 71.6 per 100,000. Spain was very high, probably the highest in the world at about 100. So in other words, it all goes in the same direction, unfortunately. High death rates from COVID-19, high all-cause death rates, and high excess mortality. In other words, additional people died who would not have been expected to die in that year. And the explanation is not entirely clear. It could be that there was an overwhelming number of cases. In other words, the number of cases may have a diff- may make a difference to death rates by overwhelming hospitals or not having access to hospital care to the same extent or having a fragmented response to the pandemic where you might have had inconsistent responses in intensive care units and so on. So it does seem to track with the response to the pandemic. But, you know, the good news for Australia is, albeit with those caveats, we had a very low death rate from COVID-19. Do we know how this compares to other diseases? It just feels like we're all human beings, right? Like our biology isn't that different based on country. And maybe there's age of population and numbers of people with other conditions? Yeah, it's a really good question. So the other theory behind this is that younger people in the United States are more obese and have more complications in terms of other diseases. And that's the other reason that this could be the case. But it's not just one reason, probably, is it? It's probably a few different things playing in, including access to healthcare. That's right. So when things go wrong like this, it's rarely one thing. It's a combination of factors that act together. 
Well, Norman, let's take a few questions from the audience. And what better way to do that on a Friday than with a quick fire Friday? Are you ready to answer a few questions in quick succession? I'm ready. I've, hold, I've had my tin pineapple. I'm all juiced up. <laughs> Mary's asking, do grandparents still need to isolate from grandchildren for safety? And which vaccines are going to be best for older people with heart or high blood pressure issues? I think that in Australia now with such little virus around, if any virus Unless you're in a hot spot, which there aren't any as we speak, apart from perhaps around the area of the cluster in Adelaide, I think that you can be pretty safe for grandparents to see their grandchildren as per normal. Which vaccines are going to be best for older people, particularly with heart or high blood pressure issues? We're going to have to wait until all the data are analysed because some may well be better in older people than others, but we don't know that yet. Greg's asking, we hear of people who may have been exposed to coronavirus asked to come forward for testing with even the mildest symptoms. Are people allowed to be tested even if they have no symptoms? Aren't asymptomatic people part of the problem? Uh, They are part of the problem. We have been reserved in Australia about testing asymptomatic people. But if you're a close contact of somebody, even if you're asymptomatic, you will be able to access a test. Victoria from Victoria is asking, we are doing really well in Melbourne in terms of infection numbers, presumably because of mandatory mask wearing. She's in her mid to late 70s. Is it okay for her to relax uh, or should we perhaps continue to live in the very careful lane? I think at the moment in Victoria, the recommendations to wear masks on public transport and indoors are sensible and older people should certainly adhere to that. You know, there's still a little bit of virus around. I'd be pretty anxious about going without a mask, even if it's against the rules. I'll tone her down towards Geelong, where you're just not sure where if there is some virus around. So I think it's very prudent that Victorians, particularly Melburnians, I should say, wear masks indoors and on public transport till we're really sure there's no virus around. And one more from Tim. How does herd immunity work for a vaccine that prevents COVID-19 disease, but not the SARS-CoV-2 virus infection? Short answer, Tim, is it doesn't work. That's the problem. So if all we get from those vaccines is preventing COVID-19 disease, which will be pretty good, they will not create herd immunity. They've got to actually prevent infection and transmission for the immunity to clock in as herd immunity. So we've got to wait and see what the results of the trials are in terms of infection prevention rather than disease prevention. Well, that's another quick fire Friday done and dusted. Norman, you can mop the sweat from your brow with your recording towel, if you like. I will indeed. And I hope our Coronacast listeners all have a wonderful weekend. We'll see you next week. We will. We will.